Welcome to Godsplaining, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to Godsplaining. This is Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. Um, I am joined today by our very own Father Gregory Pine, who is, if you're watching the video, giving little eyebrow raises, which I always don't like, but I don't like most things. So <laughs> I guess that's that's par for the course. Now he's covering his eyebrows, which made it even worse. Welcome to this episode <laughs> of Godsplaining. Father Gregory, how you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, let's see. Wild updates, um, non-wild updates, updates of all sort. I mowed the lawn today, um, which wow. afforded me, yeah, I know, right? It afforded me uh, a great feeling of satisfaction because after having read for four hours in the morning a book about divine exemplarity that made very little sense to me and was almost entirely unusable for my dissertation, I left the afternoon feeling like something had, in fact, been accomplished in the world, and I was used to that end. So I would say that I'm doing excellently well on account of the fact that I just mowed the lawn. How are you? Better for not mowing the lawn. <laughs> That's awful. I, I, my dad told me that I entered religious life to avoid manual labor. And as the years <laughs> have gone, I believe, you know, I, I resented that at first. I knew he was right, but I resented that. Like he knew that was, I mean, that's not the why, the reason why, but it's not, you know, it's an, it's a kind of accidental reality that it's kind of great about religious life. I don't, I mean, Dominican life, if I were a Benedictine, I'd be like doing things with fields and I don't know, but I'm not. So I didn't mow the lawn. Um, Nothing new crazy here. I got to, I guess, a little bit ago, was able to make a, a super quick trip up to my fam in Connecticut. My brother and his wife just had a baby and got to hang out with her, um, which was super cute. She's like grumpy and gassy and <laughs> both of those things <laughs> and a one month old are, are really awesome. So I'm um, not like grumpy yeah. in, in a crying sense, but she always has like really good, like angry kind of grimace on her face so like she's just like judging the world hardcore and she's a month old it's a good chance of quality so yeah that's awesome it. you know how like moms put together little mementos for their children so that when they come of age they'll realize or they'll see that their mother was thinking of her and made all of these different notes and a cute calendar and blah blah okay whatever um well you can do a similar thing for your niece and that you can mention her in a variety of different podcast episodes. And then you can kind of curate it for her on her 18th birthday and see like, here's my first mention of you. I called you grumpy and gassy. Here is my second mention. <laughs> I could do that. My my mom did things like that, but not in not in yeah. a cute way. Like my sister, I think my sister didn't have a haircut. That that sounds so gross. She sounds like a feral child. My sister had like really long <laughs> hair when she was younger. And when she got her haircut, I think my mother like kept the hair, I think. And then I think my mother has, I shouldn't be saying this, but has some of our baby teeth in like a little like porcelain. It's like so creepy. It's like a Jeffrey Dahmer. It was he a serious, did he eat people? It's like a cannibal. But it's so. like yeah. keeping remnants of her. Oh, it's so nasty. Sorry, mom. Um, but, you know, you, you chose to do it. So I get to make fun of you for it. So, yeah. <laughs> That's how um, but seeing my niece was cool. Uh, she, nice. Yeah. Grumpy and gassy. I enjoyed that. So, all right. We're not here to talk about my, my niece or mowing the lawn, which is, I'm thinking about that again, just awful. But we're here to talk about something, something different, something perhaps more interesting. I don't know. 
Today, uh, on this episode, we're going to talk about God's will um, and whether or not we can follow it or really actually whether or not we can mess up God's will in our choices. I think at heart here is like whether or not we can choose wrongly. And I, at least in my experience, uh, perhaps not so much in my maybe in my own life, I guess I've been a Dominican long enough where it's like, I'm not thinking about life choices as much anymore. But in my experience of chatting with other people, um, I think this is a question that's on people's minds a lot of, you know, do I, can I choose incorrectly? Can I choose the wrong thing? Can I pursue God wrongly? I, perhaps in, in the context of like vocational discernment, this comes up, but also just in like regular life choices, jobs, moving relationships, can I do it wrongly such that like I fail? with respect to God's will. So we're going to talk about that. So Father Gregory, kick us off, get us started on, you know, uh, on this question. Can I mess up God's will? Yeah. So I think it's helpful at the beginning to consult our own experience. So like you set it up, people are asking this question about vocational discernment. They're asking this question about discernment of other sorts. And I think that the reason it feels somewhat urgent or the reason it feels in some cases somewhat dire is because we have the distinct recognition on the one hand that God knows, and then the distinct recognition on the other hand that we don't. And it can feel almost torturous. Like, okay, God's got the whole world in his, yeah, his hands. Mm -hmm. I knew um, it. God's got, that's it. Yeah. So God's got my whole life in his thoughts. And it's just for me to kind of get it from his thoughts into reality but he doesn't seem especially forthcoming. Like I try to pray and instead of praying, all I think about are the many tasks that I have to complete throughout the rest of the course of the day, or I try to pray and I fall asleep, or I try to pray and I get distracted, you know, it's whatever. Um, so it doesn't seem like God is especially motivated to tell me all of his thoughts about my life. And so for whatever reason, it's kind of up to me. Granted, every good and perfect gift comes down to us from the Father of Lights, but it's up to me. And so a lot of us have a kind of anxiety about getting you know, for lack of a better description, the right answer or coming to the right result. And I think it's good to start with our experience of that because, again, it, it heightens the intensity of the choices that lay before us, but also because it, it kind of situates us in between the, the gap or situates us in between the, the difference uh, concerning, you know, God's knowledge on the one hand and ours on the other. And I think it's helpful just to suss that out a little bit, the difference between how God knows and, and how we know. Um, I don't yeah. know what in your conversations yeah. with other people, are there other things there? Yeah, I think that's right. I, in, in many ways we've been, we've been conditioned or led who knows why. I mean, however, wherever the church is and kind of the world is and, and sort of shaping the way by which we approach God and think about him and, and how we relate to him. But we've been, I think, conditioned to, um, to do things or expect things to be, I'll say, to, to expect things to be super clear before we do them. Um, and this perhaps has, has a lot to do with our decision making um, throughout our lives of, you know, choosing a college major. Well, I choose this, I choose to be a biology major because I want to be a doctor. It's like, I know I want to be a doctor, so I'm going to take these steps to get there. Or I choose to go whatever, to move to this place because there's a job there. And I know there's a job there. So I'm going to take these steps to move there, or pursue this job or that sort of thing. Um, where there, where there's surety of the end, like we know what we're aiming at in a lot of things. So we're able to do things to get to that end. 
But it's that that clarity about the end, that absolute surety about what we're doing with respect to our spiritual life and our relationship with Christ is is not there. We don't know, you know, God doesn't send down a sort of letter like, dear Father Jacob Bertrand, I want you to do this on this date, love God. Um, if that were the case, then I could make decisions as I had as I had with respect to other things about my college major or where I moved to or where I went to, but it's just not the case. Um, so I think we've we've been conditioned to expect that clarity and that surety about the end. And that leaves us kind of paralyzed with respect to God because we don't have that. We're left with, well, how do I know that? What what are the indicators of of choosing? And can I choose wrong? Can I, can I do that poorly? So I think that conditioning sort of sets us up, leaves us in, yeah, sets us up not for failure, but to, to kind of for paralysis. And I know that I've I've had that experience. I know that talking to other people, they've had that experience, whether again, it's with vocational discernment or other questions or that sort of thing. It's just like, I don't know what to do. I I don't, this fear of not, or not knowing the end and then this fear of choosing the wrong means without knowing the end leads ultimately to this paralysis of, of not even being able to, to make decisions, to choose, to move. Yeah. And I think as a way to kind of nudge the discourse in a more fruitful direction, I think it's helpful to set up, you know, kind of to manage people's expectations to speak somewhat therapeutically, but to set up for people, what are possibilities and what are not possibilities? So is it possible to fail? Uh, so is it possible to mess up God's will? We know it, well, like we know it to be true, or we, we know that it is possible in a very basic sense or in an ultimate sense, because it's possible for people to go to hell, right? So if one chooses against the will of God consistently, persistently, um, you know, obstinately throughout the course of his or her life, then yes, you can mess up the will of God in a kind of permanent way, right? But that takes a kind of effort, right? That takes, um, it's not to say that if you want to go to hell, you have to like really choose it with every breath. You know, there's, there is a sense in which we are kind of slouching in that direction by virtue of original sin working itself out in our members. But um, it's, it's a terminal state that requires a kind of terminal perseverance. But short of hell, it seems to be the revelation of God that there are all kinds of opportunities for us to be recalled back to the will of God and that the will of God is sufficiently complex and textured and subtle as to incorporate even our failures. So I think about that line, it comes from one of the Father Brown stories, but it's quoted in Brideshead Revisited. This is a paraphrase, but something like this, where he says, such is the ponderous mercy of God that he permits us to wander to the very edge of the earth, only to pull us back by a twitch upon the thread. Or I think also of some of these scenes in the Divine Comedy, especially in the, the beginning of the Purgatorio, you meet these late repentants who are outside the, the gate proper of purgatory. And they're saved by these very, very um, kind of hair breaths escape. Um, so there's one who has his neck wounded at a battle. And as his lifeblood is ebbing out, he says the name of the Blessed Mother. And that's sufficient, right? That, that, that gets him in. And he goes through, Dante goes through a few more encounters with people who are saved for similar, simple, small, humble reasons. So I think that that's um, two things to keep in mind is one, it's possible to fail, but two, God is making it such that reality conspires towards our salvation. God wants us to be saved. And we'll return to that point, but God desires that all be saved and come to knowledge of the truth, says first Timothy. And so God's going to avail us of opportunities for grace. So as to turn us back from that, 
from that terminal failure. Yeah, I think one of the things here too that that is that's important to recognize in what Father Gregory was saying is that with the um, with the sort of like spiritual paralysis that that we might encounter and and like wondering what should I do? Can I mess this up? There's also this panic that sets in of of um, you know what's gonna what's gonna happen? I can't choose. Am I gonna fail? Am I gonna go to hell? These kind of things. And one of the foundational things of the spiritual life is, is just the opposite of panic, which is kind of a bit of a catch 22. Like when someone's panicking to tell them like, don't panic. It's like, well, I'm already panicking. So, you know, like how, how do I, how do I calm down? But to recognize that like our Lord and Father Gregory said, we'll return to this and we will, but that our Lord desires um, us to know him, to know him and to pursue him and to be conformed to him more than we do. And he offers himself in, in that way. Um, and in, in, in ways that we that he can be known and pursued and loved, um, so we ought to take a great confidence in that. That the sacraments give us grace, that the life of grace continues to to build upon itself, and that that our Lord is working so as to make Himself available and make His will um, accessible. And we'll talk about how that will, how His will is accessible uh, as as we continue on. But um, as as Catholics, we ought to. I guess in some ways, like sort of remind ourselves to calm down, you know, it, this is God's will. And uh, it's a good thing that he, he wants us to, to pursue that, to follow that. So I think uh, by way of getting into uh, moving from talking about God's will to pursuing God's will, we can start to talk about like, uh, I guess, the type of success uh, that we're, that we're called to, as opposed to the type of mess that we might think we can, we can make. And I think in talking about success with anything, we have to talk about the end um, and, and what we're aiming at and what we're called to, um, because it's if we don't have the, the proper end in mind, then we're, you know, we do become paralyzed and panicky. So um, the proper end, what is it that we're aimed at? What is the end of God's will? What is the end of our pursuit of God's will? Yeah, when we talk about it uh, in Christian settings, we'll say it's the glory of God and the salvation of souls. And that we play our part in that unfolding drama by living our human lives well or by living our human lives perfectly. So we think of that evangelical command at the end of the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, where the Lord says in the Sermon on the Mount, Be therefore perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So the type of perfection to which we're called is a perfection that's, that's bound up with this divine communion into which we are invited. But it's one that, that actually registers in our lives as human beings. And to be human beings means that we are on the way. That's something I repeat often, but God is his end, right? So God doesn't need to proceed to his end. He is his end. Angels proceed to their end by one movement, by that one choice that they made immediately after their creation. And then we, human beings, proceed to our end by many movements. And so we're given these spiritual powers, namely intellect and will, whereby to know and to love in accord with God's grace unto the end to which we're called. And this is, you know, what we what we mean by saying that we're made to the image and likeness of God, that we have this spiritual nature modeled after the, the very identity of God himself that can be conformed to God, which is capacious for the reception of God. And so if we're called to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, we're called to be so in a human way, which means doing so by by knowledge and by love. But when it comes to sorting out among different objects of our knowing and loving, which is, a, which is really what we're talking about when we're talking about choice, we're always going to be confronted by or presented with limited options. So because of the fact that our minds 
are open to what is infinitely true and our hearts are open to what is infinitely good, we'll never be satisfied except in God alone. But that leaves us, strangely enough, paradoxically enough, free with respect to all of the means that conduct us to him. So because only God can satisfy us in an ultimate sense, then we are at liberty to choose among the different paths that conduct us, that lead us to him. And so, yeah, to be human is to be on the way, it's to be a wayfarer. Um, and it's, you know, when, when we start talking about, you know, the virtue of prudence after the break, it's just going to be a matter of doing what you can with what you have and not bemoaning the fact that you don't have more. But I've already, I've already talked for too long, so maybe I'll leave it at that. Well, we will, um, as Father Gregory just hinted at, we'll talk about the virtue of prudence in a second when we come back to, to continue to think about um, human perfection and the will of God. So stay tuned and uh, we'll be right back. are listening to Godsplaining. Visit us at godsplaining.org to listen to our episodes, shop our store, and donate to our podcast. All gifts go to improving the podcast and bringing the gospel to more listeners. Thanks for your support. Welcome back to Godsplaining. This is Father Jacob Bertrand, and I'm here with Father Gregory, and we're talking about messing up the will of God. Can we can we screw it up? Can we choose wrong? Can we do all these things terribly? Um, maybe, uh, maybe not. But uh, as we were t- <laughs> as we were taking our our break, we were starting to talk about um, the the type of success, as it were. What are we looking at? What are we aimed at as human beings? What are we called to? And Father Gregory was talking about how, as uh, you know, human beings, we are. We're, we're wayfarers. We're made to um, to pursue God, to do to pursue His will, to do well with respect to that as human beings in the mode of human perfection. Um, and and in that is uh, comes comes to the fore the virtue of prudence, uh, as prudence directs human actions. Th- that virtue does. Uh, I, I guess towards the top of the episode, one of the things we were talking about with respect to being sort of paralyzed in the face of choices that were conditioned or were, were trained or thought that we were, were taught to think that we need somehow to know the future or God's will with absolute certainty before, before chasing it, before pursuing it. Uh, and I always, I push back against that idea pretty hard because being, uh, being a Christian, being a saint, pursuing holiness doesn't mean that we become fortune tellers, that somehow we were given access to God's will with respect to like looking in a crystal ball and knowing what to do, but that we're formed to make good Christian choices. And here, here's the virtue of prudence to help us do that, to do that. So I don't know, Father Gregory, do you want to say more about that, the prudence and success and choosing and all that? Yeah, I think in part, the key is the recognition that God's will transpires in and through your choice. So it's not as if God's will is something out there other than foreign to, alien to, whatever, um, your individual, personal, kind of contingent historical choice. Rather, God's will takes shape through your choice. So God so weds himself to the created order that he permits the created, a created order a kind of share in his creative power. So we ourselves kind of bring about a new reality. We bring about a new moral reality through our choice. And on the one hand, this is exciting. This is ennobling. Uh, This is wonderful indeed. On the other hand, it's, again, I thought this episode was supposed to dispel some of our fears and anxieties. And now I feel as if the odds are even higher still. (laughs) But here's the thing. God isn't looking for us again to like flip to the back of the answer key 
excuse me, to flip to the back of the book and search the answer key for the one right thing that ought to be done. Rather, to do well, in the sense of to do prudently, means just to do what comports with a life of virtue. So, um, you know, like Christian life isn't so much consequence um, oriented or kind of consequence bound. Obviously, we take consequences into account when we make our decisions. But what we're really concerned with isn't bringing about some change out there. We're concerned with bringing, out, bringing about a change in our lives and in the lives of those whom we meet. So it's about perfecting our agency, not about perfecting, you know, some like artifact that we're fashioning by our choice. All right. That's all kind of like high flying and weird, but in a very, very concrete way, what does it mean to choose prudently? What does it mean to choose well? What does it mean to choose kind of into the will of God? It means to do what is temperate, what is courageous, what is just. So if you think about it in, you know, terms of an example, for instance, let's say that uh, you owe your friend $10. Let's say that you are walking to a local diner to get yourself lunch. Let's say you were like playing ultimate Frisbee for two hours in the morning. You're super hungry. You're looking forward to whatever thing that you ordinarily get. Let's say that when you pull up to the diner, you see your friend in heated combat with a police officer who's saying something like, if you don't pay the $10, you know, then we're going to tow your car. No ifs, ends, or buts. And you happen to know that this friend is in financial straits and things are kind of like rough on the home front. And here you are about to spend, you know, let's say it's your last $10 at the diner on a meal and you have a friend in need. If you are temperate, if you are courageous, if you are just in this situation, it'll be easy for you to choose prudently. You'll go, you'll give the $10 back. You'll help them, that, that individual pay their parking fine. You'll get them out of a bad situation. You'll maybe lead them back to your house and you can have lunch together at your home. Um, but if you're not temperate, temperate, if you're not courageous, if you're not just, then, you know, you're going to be so fixated on your diner dinner. You're going to be just totally devastated at the thought of having to make yourself your own sandwich because it's going to seem so difficult. Um, you're going to think, you know, that person could get $10 from anyone just because I owe him $10 doesn't mean that I should be the one, you know, so you see, like, if you're not virtuous, it's going to be harder for you to choose prudently for you to choose well, for you to choose virtuously indeed. Um, so the, the basic idea is that the whole of the life of virtue goes together and conduces to perfection. And provided that you choose virtuously, you don't have to second guess yourself. You don't have to think like, oh my gosh, I could have had better consequences to this. No, the point is to choose virtuously and to become virtuous because the end product is man fully alive. The end product is a saint, you know, like we said, the glory of God and the salvation of souls. And in this case, the glory of God is you become virtuous. So, uh, yeah, I think that's like a kind of basic sketch of what it means to say that we're not so much worried about consequences, nor need we dread the thought that consequences could have been otherwise. Rather, what we're concerned with is growth in the life of virtue, which empowers us to choose easily, promptly and joyfully for what is good, which builds us up so that we ultimately become the saints where we're destined to be. Yeah, and this agency, <clears throat> this agency idea that you're that you're talking about is, I think, is really the key here, because. Again, we're not this the saint is not a fortune teller. The saint is not somebody who has like some sort of Gnostic privileged access to God's mind and God's will, but the saint is one who is conformed to Christ. The one who pursues holiness is the one who pursues Christ through the graces that are given. And that conformity to Christ allows us to act or forms us to act in a in a virtuous way that is Christ-like. Now we can't say, like, and I know Father Gregory isn't saying this, we can't say that those 
those actions don't have consequences. That's not what he said at all, or that those actions, certain actions aren't aimed for a particular end. Of course they are. But we we need to we need to step out of the 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 mindset that like I need to figure out what God wants for me so as to go after it. Um, because in the end it's a trap. In the end, it's a stumbling block to actually acting virtuously. And that whole scenario that Father Gregory just set up with the the $10 and the parking ticket and the diner, you know, if somebody is so consumed with, well, what is God's will here? Like trying to figure out, should I do this? Or is he going to have like, who cares? Not who cares? It's not important. But like the reality is, is that if we're so concerned and wrapped up with that, that we then we can't actually do the virtuous thing in that moment, which is God's will to behave and act virtuously and to to choose well and to act uh, as a Christ figure to other people. It's so important. One of the things here that we want to touch on quickly um, is, is to understand why this is the case. Why is it that, um, you know, the, why is this conformity and this agency so important? And it really is uh, important because it is who God is. God is not concerned about, you know, future kind of contingents and, and uh, like, kind of setting this up, but about about acting in our lives so that we can act in response to him. And ultimately, this concern arises out of his love, a, a love and desire for us more than we want for ourselves. Um, Father Gregory mentioned this at the first in the first uh, half of the episode that that there's that we should take a real confidence in God's um, God's showing forth himself in in normal and um, and, and kind of ordinary means that lead us to the to the supernatural and to the extraordinary. We can think here of like the sacraments by way of example, these simple means that lead us to eternal life, but also with respect to God revealing himself and God um, showing how we are to live and to act. And uh, yeah, all of that is, is, is stems not from a human uh, faculty, but from God's desire for us. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if you have more to say, if you said what you wanted to say earlier on in the episode, but it's it's good to reiterate that nonetheless. Yeah, I think just the simple fact that God loves your destiny more than you do is a really helpful one for discernment or decision making in a more humble and modest sense. Uh, sometimes we feel like, again, like you said, we need to wrestle this Gnostic knowledge from God's mind. Or like we need to somehow convince God that it's in his best interest to give us insight into our own futures. When truth be told, God is making himself known. God is making himself loved in the way that is best suited to our growth and salvation and to his glory. So we have to be able to believe that and to trust that and ultimately to love that reality. And when we start loving that reality, that's when we have the confidence to say, all right, I'm going to play the hand that I'm dealt. because." This is the only hand that I have to play. So my real life is here. And whether or not it seems better or worse by comparison to the person on my left or on my right is a kind of uninteresting claim. What is interesting is that God loves me and that God wants me to know him and to love him. And he is supplying, with me, he is supplying me with everything sufficient to that end. So I need only consent. Um, when you were talking about kind of keeping panic at bay, I was thinking of Jacques Philippe's book, Searching for and Maintaining Peace. In this particular setting, I think of Jacques Philippe's book, Interior Freedom, that point about consent, this idea that real life is not elsewhere, real life is here. And by recognizing that fact, by loving that fact, I'm able to embrace the will of God in all of its small, particular details, and to do so with a kind of spirit of abandonment, to do so with a spirit of genuine freedom, so that I'm not haunted by the fact of, 
it could have been otherwise, or it could have been better, or I could dot, 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 fill in the appropriate blank, right? It's just a matter of simply saying that God is here and he makes himself present to me. And by responding generously to his grace, I may be present to him and he'll do with it what he will. And I think ultimately that gives you, um, yeah, the kind of certainty that, yeah, it, it, the, the will of God may look this way or that way, but ultimately it will be good provided that it's his. Yeah, one of the perhaps mindset things to think about to consider is that the reality that grace isn't given for future what ifs, for future contingencies. It's not as if grace is held out on a carrot stick and, you know, a carrot stick, what does that mean? Like a carrot on a stick, and that we kind of have to chase it down. And that until we catch the right thing or get the right amount of grace that we, you know, after chasing enough of it down, that then somehow God will communicate his will to us. Rather grace, and this is really, you know, coming from this Jacques Philippe's, I mean, the truth about grace, but also Father Jacques Philippe's book on interior freedom is really brings out this point that grace operates in, in the here and now. Um, and our Lord calls us to respond here and now. And of course, that, those responses, again, have consequences for the future. But if we, the, the, the problem here, the, the issue here is that if we begin to focus too much on future what ifs, we actually lose sight of what our Lord is offering now to be conformed to him and to um, to be to to grow in the life of holiness and to be detached from sin and it's those things our growth in the life of holiness and in virtue and, and our detachment from sin that actually allows us to pursue our Lord's will in in various circumstances um, in the future prepares us to be good actors and good agents and and what lies ahead um, even if we don't know what lies ahead so uh, it's it's a good thing to to think about to pray about. So in our last couple of minutes here, let's talk about some practicalities. How can we, again, continue to maybe adjust the way we approach God's will, adjust our, or, you know, think anew about our, our worry about the future, about choosing well, about messing up? What are some ways by which we can approach this a little more soundly, a little more confidently, a little bit more um, comfortably? Yeah, maybe just uh, one thought. I like reading... Um, Monsignor Luigi Giussani from time to time. And he, he describes reason as, as being open to reality and all of its factors, all of its relevant factors. In order to do so, he says, we often need to clear away some, some preconceptions. Um, you could also think about it in terms of like ideologies, perhaps. But there are some things uh, that we tell ourselves, some lies that we tell ourselves about who we are and what we're capable of that, that really need to be cleared away. So maybe you say to yourself, you know, I'm just not good with relationships. It's a detachment thing. Or Maybe you tell yourself, uh, I'm just not a morning person. You know, I, I don't think I'm really cut out to pray before noon. Uh, you, whatever it is that you tell yourself, you might kind of check those in the light of grace and ask God to tell you the truth of your own life in light of his will for it. And I think that, that gradually he'll purify, he'll refine, he'll heal you of what stands in need of correction and then grow you in the life of virtue. And the idea is that by growth in the life of virtue, your life becomes more plain. It becomes more straightforward. Difficult, yes, but not necessarily complicated. I think here of St. Maximilian Kolbe, after he offered his life for this man, Franciszek Ivanchek, uh, that man was, was haunted really by the recognition that he had permitted St. Maximilian Kolbe to do that when he could have died instead. And then he said later, he, he came to the realization that a man like St. Maximilian could not have done otherwise. And I think that's the real you know, like truth about the Christian saint is that by growth and virtue, one becomes the type of person 
who just can't do otherwise. And with that comes the certainty, with that comes the boldness, with that comes the confidence that we abide in the will of God and that, um, yeah, that no one, neither powers nor principalities can take that from us. So practical things would be, you know, allow yourself to be open, to have preconceptions cleared away, and then try to grow in virtue in those simple ways that remain available. I don't know. You have further thoughts? Mm, I don't. I was actually going to say, well, I don't have any further thoughts or anything that would <laughs> summarize better than what you just did. So I was going to leave it at that. So I will leave it at that. Um, so uh, we mentioned, I guess, perhaps just by way of quickly wrapping up, we mentioned, um, or Father Gregory mentioned uh, two books that I think he has found helpful. I know I found helpful for, from Father Jacques Philippe. They're really short. I, we've probably mentioned him on other podcasts, other episodes. Um, really short, helpful spiritual books, but Interior Freedom was one, and Searching for and Maintaining Peace is another, both by Father Jacques Philippe. So if you're looking for a little something to continue on this um, topic, those might be helpful for you to check out. Uh, as always, we we thank our um, our supporters, both our those who are praying for us and praying for the work of the podcast, and those who support us financially. If you're interested in um, adding to that second category, uh, you can always check out our Patreon page or our merchandise page. Feel free to do that. Uh, as far as upcoming things, um, we've we've started incorporating an extra guest splaining episode and a live splaining episode. So guest splaining episodes are the first and third. Is that right? First and third Mondays of the month and live splaining uh, the the second and fourth Fridays of the month at 3 p.m. So if you have questions or want to ask something, well, that's a question or want to ask something more particular or, or more expanded about what we've talked about in an episode or something wholly unrelated, you can do so on live splaining. If you want to prioritize your questions, you can become a Patreon supporter and have uh, be sure that your questions are asked on the episode. Um, other than that, uh, we are certainly praying for you, grateful for your support. And until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app and visit us at godsplaining.org.